So welcome back to the Impact Sessions with me, Nick Bramley. We've got an excellent guest on this week who's going to talk about how is the current university experience preparing students for the future. So if you've got family who are in the university experience, thinking about going to the university experience, or you're an employer who is looking to employ graduates going forward, then give this a watch or a listen. I'm interviewing today a second year undergraduate psychology student. It's a first for the podcast in the fact that she just happens to be my daughter. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Charlotte Bramley to the Impact Sessions podcast. Thank you. Hello. You all right? Yes, thanks. Are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. Um, So you're a second year psychology student and we're going to explore the whole subject of what the university experience has been like in your first sort of 18 months or so. I think stop start would describe it in many cases. Um, but I would like to just start off with a, a, a phrase that says, all views and opinions expressed are your own and not those of either a student body or any academic institution. So I think that gets you out of jail, doesn't it? Yes, thank you for saying that. That's okay, no problem. So let's start with um, your experience first of all. So you managed to get the first half of your first year as a proper university traditional experience and that's all I need to know as your dad. Um, So from September 2019 to March 2020 lockdown you at least had that experience. Um, How's it been for those who didn't have that who started university in September 2020 and how has it changed for you since you returned to year two in September this year? I think the biggest thing is that when you start university you sort of get chucked into a first year accommodation with however many people that you don't know and it's kind of it's a real look of a draw as to whether you get on with those people but in this situation the people you're put with that is sort of who you're stuck with because there's not that same opportunity to go out socialize with other people make a group of friends that sort of suits you better and I think that would be my biggest anxiety going into first year and I think that that can really affect someone's mental health and their motivation to work if they haven't got that sort of support network of people that they really get on with. And you were lucky, weren't you, in your first year? I mean, it is it is luck of the draw, but you had a, a really good uh, sort of bunch who got on straight away from day one. So that was part of the initial, I guess, induction, socialising, that kind of thing. And you've chosen to move into a house with a number of them for year two. So that says that the relationships were strong. Um How's it been for you since you got back then? So you're, September 2020 started your second year, having spent six months at home, you know, for the end of your first year studying on Zoom, et cetera, which we'll cover in a minute. How's it been since you got back as a, as a, into a house rather than a, um, a student flat accommodation scenario? Well, it feels very different, which is interesting because when you're in a flat, you sort of have the same things like kitchen, shared kitchen, all that. But in a house, it, it's really exciting because it's, it's sort of all your own rather than just a room in a shared space. So it has been really good. And I do love um, the girls that I live with. So yeah, it's been, it has been really fun. And that's sort of helped me get through. Okay. So would you say you're enjoying the experience or has it been a bit of a chore as well in terms of the fact that it's not the same as you signed up for, I guess, you know, um, going back 18 months when you started the university experience, how's it been? I would have to err on the side of chore because it's, you need 
so much extra self-motivation than you needed in first year. Yes, you had to get up and go to a lecture, but there's no attendance records this year. You have to get up and want to log on to that Zoom or press play on that video and sit and listen to it without distraction and all that business. Wow, okay. So if you're not a self-motivated individual and, you know, let's face it, there are other distractions, I guess, as a, as a student to stop that happening, then that would be a real issue when it came to your academic sort of um, rigour and your academic attendance then. Yeah, definitely. And I know people who I've spoken to on my course, I consume, have said that they haven't done any of the lectures or very few because they just cannot bring themselves to do it. And I think that is a real issue that's facing all subjects this year. Wow. Okay. So what's been the biggest challenge and perhaps the biggest disappointment of those 18 months then? I guess they might be connected, are they? Yeah, they definitely go hand in hand in the sense that the challenge has been to keep those social connections and to keep the social relationships that I thought we all made in year one. And the biggest disappointment is that we can't do that in a way that we would want to. You can go to a Zoom social for um, a club or whatever that you've joined, but it, it's never the same. So going to the pub or going out clubbing or even going for a meal with those people, it just it isn't the same. Well, you're, you've been in a high tier area, haven't you, for the for the, for the, almost for the duration. You also had a an isolation period, uh, which meant as a result of one of your, your housemates, you know, uh, being in contact with somebody with COVID. So, you know, you it's fair to say that you've had very little, or if not a limited, zero opportunity to 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 go out and and, and re energize those social kind of connections, I guess. So, okay, um, so that's an interesting proposition lined up with mental health well-being the whole issue of self-motivation the whole thing goes together doesn't it really so you're a second year student as I say and we mentioned uh we're not going to say which university but it is a Russell Group University where the expectations on you as a student are very high but you've also got high expectations of that degree course that you're studying so how do you think the expectations have been met or have changed as a result of the pandemic, maybe on both sides? Well, first of all, I'd like to say that I do feel very sorry for lecturers because when you do speak to them, they say that they dislike this situation as much as we do. They didn't sort of sign up to be a lecturer to film themselves giving lectures. So I think they're struggling as much as we are and they are, they are taking feedback. They're sort of like putting surveys out, how can I make this better for you? How can I make it more engaging, etc.? So I think that they are really trying to meet our expectations and make it as good as it can be. A lot did change in the first year. The exam format for my exams at the end of the year sort of changed quite close to when the exams were. So that was a little bit scary because we sort of prepared all year for this certain type of exam format and then it changed. But I think everybody is doing their best to sort of meet each other's expectations and if you do try that's all that they can ask for so I think yeah I would, I would say that we're talking about does university prepare you for the future and I guess it's certainly preparing you for resilience isn't it and uh, your know, flexibility and, and sudden change which is you know how we're all having to deal with things these days isn't it really yeah unprecedented times <laughs> yeah, unprecedented we'll go with unprecedented pivot 
and unmute bottom left as my three favourite phrases for the year. So, okay. Um, I guess the university doing all they can uh, to, to improve or provide a flexible learning experience. Is there anything that they're not doing that you think they could? You know, are, are they being overcautious on social distancing? Could they do smaller lectures in bigger halls? Is there anything that could work to just to give you that face-to-face -face social time? Um, I think for the present in-person teaching, they can only do what the government tells them that they can do. And they have sort of, each time they have tried to be like, okay, so in this tier we'll try this, but then the tier changes. And so it is really difficult. And they, in first year, they put in a safety net for us so that sort of if we had an absolute mare in our exams because of all the changes, then we had this sort of safety net that we got in the first semester fall back on and there is a lot of debate at the minute amongst students as to whether or not we should get a safety net this year as well because times are still changing constantly there is a lot of anxiety unrelated to university people's family jobs etc and I think that the university does need to think strongly about whether or not we should sort of have that safety net again or at least some sort of um, thing to fall back on so that it's not all or nothing yeah okay I think I think it is one of those, isn't it? There's so much happening out in the world that is being supported. So whether it's furlough schemes or whether it's you know government funding for businesses or whether it's you know all sorts of other things, then you can't ignore the millions of students at university in year one, two, three, whatever, um, because they have to have you know a similar level of, of consideration, I guess, don't they? Mm -hmm. I think in the news as well, they talk a lot about schools, but universities not talked about as much you don't hear as much on the news about what's going on with the universities what about the the older students it's just sort of not as talked about you only got the news of students when you returned back in the first couple of weeks where you know manchester uh, liverpool i think newcastle various other places were all sort of in the news for you know locking people down almost and <laughs> the first year experience was you're in your room you're not leaving and we've got guards on the door which is not not what you paid for i guess we touched on Zoom a couple of times, and, and, and I, I'm going to ask whether you think Zoom's a life skill. I probably don't think it's a life skill, is it? It's more of a, uh, a technical skill. But um, it seems to me when I've seen you on Zoom, and when occasionally when you've been on a Zoom call from home, that the vast majority of those on the Zoom call are on no camera and they're on mute. Surely that affects the quality of the experience for the lecturer, but also for the other students as well. If no one's interacting and no one's engaging, that can't be... That can't be a positive experience, can it? It's not. I dread logging on to Zoom because it's just it's a wall of black boxes with people's names in them. And like I say, the lecturers always ask, like, could you turn your cameras on just so that we can have that sort of social connection? But they can't make people do it. And it is this even more anonymity than there is when you're sat in a lecture hall with 200 people because they nobody can see you, nobody can hear what you're doing. You could just stick the lecture on and have an app for all they know. Like it, it doesn't. There's no way of sort of policing it, and I think it really does affect your learning because it's awkward when they sort of ask a question and nobody's got their cameras on, nobody's got the microphones on, nobody wants to answer the question because they don't want to sort of put themselves out there and have a little green box flash around their name and all that stuff. So it really does affect your learning experience and I do try and put my camera on all the time and my microphone on to answer questions but so if it's just me it feels I, 
I don't want to do it. It's weird and awkward. Yeah, it's the awkwardness, isn't it? Okay, no worries. Um, I know this year that you've been absolutely inundated with assignments, you know, loads and loads of work. And yeah, you might say, well, that's what university is about. And so it should be. And you're in year two and, and that kind of thing. The cynic in me suggests that maybe the universities are working you hard and harder than they would have done to justify the fees because there's little or no other face-to-face -face engagement and whatever. I mean, I am cynical about that. What's your take on it? Well, I do love a good conspiracy theory, but I feel like um, I feel like there is a lot of pressure on the lecturers to make it good and to make it worth what we're paying. And I think that my lecturers have tried very hard to sort of keep it manageable. But I know that um, my housemate, for example, her, her lecturers sort of don't seem to communicate with each other and she has like 15 mini lectures, which are a subpart of one lecture, but each mini lecture is like 10 minutes long. So she, she really is like, how is this supposed to be sort of one week's worth of work? And it is, there are times when I just think this, like there's just too much to do and not enough motivation, not enough time to do it all when I'm supposed to be doing it. So yeah. I think there is more work, but then again, I don't have the experience of second year normally. So I don't know if, it is a lot more or what the situation Okay. Well, let's move to the future. Let's start thinking about students being prepared for the future, whether that's work or research, wherever it might be. And um, what I would say is, how much do you think that the lack of the traditional experience, social engagement with the student body, um, well-being, wellness, socialising in general, building relationships, all that kind of thing, how much do you think that's going to affect people's preparedness for going into a workplace? You know, traditionally, three years at uni or four years at uni is where you develop your adult skills, wasn't it? You know, And it might be your first time away from home or whatever. But if those adult skills are not being developed because of, of COVID and because of, of restrictions, do you think that's going to have an effect on sort of the workplace skill set when they come through the university experience? I think it can't not. I think it's going to have a huge impact because the point of university is you sort of try new things. So sort of in the middle of first year last year, I joined trampolining just because my flatmate did it. She took me to a session and I was like, oh, I quite like this. So I joined and I met loads of new people and it really does sort of bring you out of your shell. But when everything's a video recording or it's on Zoom and there's not that social connection, you don't have that opportunity to sort of get more confident and be able to talk openly about things with people and there's this kind of opt-out culture where well no one can see me my camera and microphone are off so I don't have to answer this question or participate in this activity or go into this breakout room and I think that in work you can't do that you can't just say no you know what I don't really fancy that today so I'm not going to bother I think people need to have that opportunity to build confidence, to be able to have confidence in their skills and abilities to do things and not sort of have that way out necessarily all the time. So we need this pandemic to end for many reasons sooner rather than later. We don't want students having to have two and a half of their three years in a sort of lockdown, isolated environment, because that would be, you know, very detrimental to their skill sets as well as their confidence and well-being, etc. So fingers crossed that the vaccines 
you know, being great news that they are uh, will help. But I don't think students are high on the list for vaccines, are they, to be fair? So I don't know whether that's going to make a difference when you are allowed back into a social environment. I mean, you've had your ups and downs with your trampolining. I couldn't resist that one, Charlotte. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll apologise to the listeners and viewers for that one. I just couldn't resist the ups and downs on the trampoline. Uh, but, you know, you can't wait to get back and, and just meet your mates, can you, really? Yeah, I mean, I'm not great at trampolining, sort of, the skill of it, but the sort of social aspect of it, it, it really builds your mental health and your well-being. You, even if you go on and you do a terrible somersault or whatever it is, like, you have that group of people and not having that, and not having any sort of socials or joining any societies or being able to sort of participate in those, I've really sort of seen the toll it's taken on my friends, myself, everybody. It, it has massively impacted everybody. Okay. Well, let's talk about a passion of yours, which is the subject that you study. Look at your little smiley face for those who watch you on YouTube. My daughter is passionate about psychology, probably has been since first getting involved in the subject for A-levels and just absolutely immersed yourself in that. Um, we went to a number of open, university open days uh, when you were looking at the universities and I as a parent and a sort of business uh, uh, representative, I was fascinated by the breadth that the subject covers and the, and the, the sheer level of um, employers who would value a degree in psychology. Um, but I know you've got a bit of a bugbear, Charlotte, and I want to give you uh, airtime for that. It is a tough degree. There's loads of work. It's a science. It's very difficult and demanding. And people still often think of it as what you called a bandwagon subject. Do you want to explain what a bandwagon subject is and why psychology certainly doesn't fit the bandwagon subject bill? Well, I think people sort of see it as a, well, I don't know what to do. So I'll just jump on the bandwagon of doing psychology because when you get the chance at A-level to do it quite often, it's the first time ever been able to do it so people are just like oh well I'll take that because it sounds good and there is kind of a stigma around psychology that it's this sort of pseudo and psycho babble where you just sit around trying to read people's minds but it is that is the biggest thing that people sort of say is that oh so can you read my mind that no absolutely not and so I think that people sort of just take it as a I don't know what to do so I'll do this which in a sense Psychology is great if you're struggling on what to do because it is so applicable to everything. And I think that it would prepare you for any kind of work having that sort of knowledge of psychology. But at the end of the day, it's not, I don't know what to do and I want to do something easy, so I'll do this because you will be vastly mistaken when you start. Yeah, I think what I would say, the bit that impressed me was the sheer scale of transferability of the degree and, and you know it's it's a high quality uh, uh subject it's a it's a high quality degree but it lends itself to marketing it lends itself to hr it lends itself to you know criminal it lends itself to public sector it lends itself to childcare. it lends itself to you know virtually anything i know you specialize in, in in year three certainly in terms of the you know drilling down in some of the specialist areas but um, you know, it's an eminently employable and transferable skill set, isn't it? So are you enjoying that skill set development? Yeah, massively. I think there's, it's one of those subjects where you do so many different modules. Like I was doing a lecture in here the other day and Rob, my brother, was sat across from me and he was surprised that I was doing statistics. And he was like, have you chosen to do an extra module in statistics? But 
that's just part of doing psychology and you have all these different modules and it is amazing because you can do a module and think oh I really don't like that but that's not your degree because you do so many different things and I just think that it is really valuable to have knowledge and interest in a lot of different fields and have the opportunity in this degree to learn about research in those fields to learn about theories and developments and all this I think it is fascinating to be honest I am biased but (laughs) Well, you are biased, but I mean, ultimately, you know, it, it's one of those that the bandwagon subject is a real bugbear for you. And I totally get that. I totally understand. Having sat through a number of the lectures, you know, the taster lectures at the open days. And what I would have said, I should have said, actually, will also help you into teaching. And I know that's something at the moment that's on your particular thinking. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a huge range of opportunities for, for people on, on that basis. So what would you say to somebody who might be considering studying a psychology degree then? If they are studying it because of this sort of bandwagon, it's going to be easy. I would say straight away, like, it is not going to be easy. It is going to be difficult. It is it is a science. It is hard. Um, but I think if you have an interest in people, if you have an interest in... Um, brains how brains work if you have an interest in child development if you have an interest in anything that's related to people and you think you want to follow that interest rather than following a specific job then I think psychology is a great degree to take because you can use your interest and follow that interest to end up in a job you love without boxing yourself in by just studying that one sort of sector that makes sense okay so there'll be some employers listening to this who don't get it because they might see psychology as this bandwagon subject. They've not been exposed to psychology students potentially, or they've not considered psychology students for their business. What would you say to an employer who is still not sure as where psychology might sit as a transferable skill set into a business? I think with respect, if you sort of look at psychology and look down on it, then you're really sort of causing detriment to yourself and like you're really missing out because with a psychology degree you sort of learn everything you learn how to critical think and essay write and really formulate an argument for something you learn how to do the statistics side and be really procedural and figure out how to do that in a certain way and even things like metacognition so some lectures I just sit there and the whole lecture is thinking about how we think And that is really tough to do and tough to do well. And I think that having that skill is invaluable to anybody to be able to relate to people and in any way, I think is really valuable. Most businesses you're working as part of a team. So if you understand the team and the team, you know, are you going to add value to that? It's worth worth doing. So I've let you have your little soapbox on. on, But I, I'm with you because I, I was astonished when I say when I went to the open days that the sheer breadth of of, of coverage, etc. So so that's let's let's hope we've we've had a, a sort of a, a big up for the psychology uh, subject for employers and potential employers and also for students potentially considering it. I've got a final. I've got a final question. Go on, Charlotte. What do you oh, I was just going to say because even if you're not interested in sort of studying it as a degree to go into psychology or research even the novelty of it some of the sort of studies that they show you in these talks to sort of entice you it is all real psychology so the thing that you always talk about where 
if a guy stands in front of a wall and two people queue behind him, people will just start queuing for nothing because of, and psychology can explain that. And I think anybody could find an area of psychology is interesting. You almost can't not because of how much it covers and sort of how interesting these sort of novelty studies are and how much application they actually have. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I mean, it is. I love. I do like the one about the one person faces a wall, two people join in, and suddenly you've got a queue. Of, it literally blows your head that this is like why that would happen. But it's a proven uh, psychological sort of technique, isn't it? That you've that you've, you've studied, etc. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you a couple of quick questions to finish off. One is, if someone's considering university from this September coming, 2021, what would you be saying to them to ensure that they got the best experience that 9,250 quid a year can buy them? I think it might sound a bit cheesy, but I think the main thing is to say yes. That was my sort of New Year's resolution going into my first year at university because I do kind of have a tendency sometimes to be like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. I don't know all the information about it. I'm a bit sort of wary of doing that. But I went into first year with this sort of mindset of just say yes to things, which is sort of like, trampolining came about and theatre I sort of got back into theatre and did sort of stuff behind the scenes that I hadn't done before and I think by saying yes you get all the extra stuff that you need from a degree it's not just about coming to university sitting in a lecture sitting in a library going home after three years with a degree it's about building who you are as a person and figuring out what you like but not without experiencing it so say yes jump in it is scary sort of going into that first flat and being like oh I don't know anybody what if they don't like me blah 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 but be yourself be true to yourself and say yes to any and all opportunities you can that's a great that's a great piece of advice what I would say when you did say you joined the trampolining club no one was more shocked perhaps than maybe me maybe your mum as well but uh, <laughs> it's good to see because you've loved you were loving doing it before lockdown weren't you and you, like I say you, you, you're not the greatest in, in terms of technique but you're getting better and, and, and actually you were about to represent the university weren't you represent the university is a nice way of putting it but yeah I sort of I said yes to doing competition I was talked into it by one of the team um, members but yeah just I mean, I wouldn't have done great, but it would have been a new experience, an exciting experience to sort of go to that competition with the team and sort of have that. Okay. So, yeah. Final question. A lot of our listeners are obviously parents rather than necessarily the student body. What would you say to a parent of someone who is considering university, you know, in 2021, September? Is it still all that? Should they take a gap year? Would you be actively encouraging them to you know, like say, jump in and get on with it. What, what would be your advice to someone, knowing what you know now for the last 18 months, to a parent who's got maybe a child or a, a, somebody coming thinking, I'm not sure, what would you be saying to them? Well, I think, first of all, I'm a massive advocate for taking a gap year anyway. I had planned to do that. I sort of applied through UCAS for the deferred entry to university. I think having that gap year to decompress for a start, A-levels are rough, <laughs> Um, to sort of get a job or travel or do whatever you want, have that little break, I think is very important. So if you are on the fence about taking a gap year, pandemic or otherwise, I think definitely that is a good thing to consider. But I think even though it's online, you are still getting the degree, you are still getting the experience to an extent. And I think 
it's really course dependent. If you are wanting to do a course which requires a lot of lab work or a lot of sort of practicals or it in order to get the best out of it, you really do need to be in in university with those people doing whatever it might be, then I think that maybe do consider taking a gap year. But if you are wanting to do a course which that's not necessary, think about what you are like as a learner. Do you are you self-motivated enough to be able to get up on days where you're hungover or don't want to get out of bed to log into Zoom and turn your camera on and your microphone on? Then go for it. But if you're not, then I do think that it's important to consider whether or not you're going to waste a year at university because you don't sort of have the drive to do it as it is now. Hopefully, so 2021 will be back to some semblance of normality, but I can't count on it necessarily. So I think definitely consider those things. Excellent. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing your insights with us, Charlotte. I think it's been uh, you know, really interesting from a, a business point of view, looking and saying, well, what should businesses be aware of? You, you, you've banged the drum for psychology as a, as a, as a subject, which I, I'm, I'm happy for you to do because you know I've been fascinated by some of the stuff that you're sort of sharing with us as parents, and I think it's very eminently transferable. Um, I hope it's given an insight into those who've got you know um, students and children thinking of university right now as to you know what they can do. I quite like this idea of the self motivation piece. I think that's really really important. Uh, but thank you for being a fabulous guest. For those who uh, are not sure, the Impact Sessions is available as a podcast. It goes out every Tuesday on all the usual platforms, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Google Play, Podbean and CastBox. It's also on the Impactus Group website uh, and we promote it heavily through LinkedIn every Tuesday. Um, my contact details are there and I've protected my daughter by saying her contact details are podcast guest Charlotte Bramley. So. That's all you're getting. Um, so thank you, Charlotte, for being a fabulous guest. Thank you for sharing your insights into university life. I think it was well worth exploring. So a conversation over breakfast a few weeks ago turned into you being a first-time podcast guest. So thanks for being brilliant. Thank you very much. Okay, see you soon, darling. Bye. Bye.